from the Rocky Top Insider Studios, it's the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Jumpert, and Jack Foster. All right, and welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler. Joined to my right, that is the one, the only, Rocky Top Insider's own Ryan Shumpert. And across the table, that is my good friend, that is your good friend, that is Jack Foster. Man, it's good to be all back around the table today. Plenty to get into. Today is Wednesday, March the 29th. The time is just about 10 o'clock in the morning, so a little bit of an earlier schedule for us here this week. But, hey, there's a lot of things going on that we are kind of sandwiched in between. A lot of those things are football-related as well. But let's let's not uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into it. Hello, gentlemen. Good morning. How are we all doing around the table? I'm doing good. It feels nice. on. A, and I meant to bring this up as uh, before we got it going, but a Wednesday of us not traveling. Two weeks ago, we were driving yes. down to Orlando, oh. and then uh, last week we were flying out of Nashville to get up to New York City. So... Uh, no more basketball for Tennessee, which is uh, obviously it's a really fun run while it happens, but uh, a little nice, nicer to have things settled down and be back in Knoxville for a few days. Yeah, I thought about that same thing just yesterday as I was uh, sitting down, just watching kind of the, excuse me, watching the end of the baseball game and thinking to myself, man, just seven days ago, Ryan and I were driving to Nashville so that we could go and fly out of Nashville at 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. And then you even go back before that. Like you were saying, Ryan, we, we started that big, I mean, 10-hour drive to Orlando on a Wednesday. So it is nice. It's nice to finally have a week where we can just kind of relax. Obviously, a lot of things going on right here in the middle in the city. You had a baseball game yesterday. You had Tennessee football practice. You have Pro Day coming up on Thursday. So a lot going on in the city, but I don't know about you. I'm a little traveled out right now, so it's good to be back within uh, city limits. Yeah, definitely. Which trip was better? Smoother, I should say. Oh. I guess New York just because we flew and we didn't have any flight issues. So. Yeah, there were probably more variables with New York, and and they all went really well. I mean, we had some nice people at the airport help hey, us hey, get yeah. on the uh, the Newark airport. Shout out shout out to the workers at the Newark airport. <laughs> they they'd helped us get on the right bus to get on the right train to get to the city. Uh, and then we also had other people who were nice along the way. But I don't think we really had a – looking back on it, I don't think we really had a problem the entire trip. Now, granted, the Orlando trip, I drove us and Troy as well, who, who Maryville uh, Times Press. But my car has broken, but it did not break <laughs> during trip. the trip, which <laughs> is the biggest relief we can possibly imagine because it is a – let's pull back the curtain here. It's a transmission. It's one of those, right? It is a total nail to the coffin. But at least, thank God, that it didn't happen when we were driving from Orlando back to Knoxville. It luckily waited about three days to then go out and you know decide to uh, croak on me, if you will. Yeah, at least we weren't stranded in South Georgia. Yeah, that would have been brutal. Been, yeah, that would have been tough. Yeah, I don't know what we would have done if that had happened in like Valdosta. Yeah. Know? We're just like, well, what do we do now? Yeah, you can't be too mad at your car. It made it to the finish line before it tapped out. So, it did. Got it it did. You got to give it a little bit of uh, a little bit of props there. But hey, man, New York was a lot of fun. We, that was to me the more enjoyable trip. Not that not that Orlando wasn't, and and we got to do some cool stuff and went to Disney World. And I mean, we went full tourism at both places. Did we did the we did went the to le- Disney World? Well, we went to kind Disney. <laughs> what do you call that place? Uh, it was uh, Disney. 
Downtown Disney. That's Downtown was, Disney. I wanted to call it Disney Town. I wanted to call it. That's what it sounded like. I wanted to call it dis, Discount or Disney Discount. Because yeah. that's also kind of what it felt like. You know, the free park, if you will. Oh, okay. So just downtown it's Disney. like shops and restaurants. Yes. And so it's not like in Disney World, but it's... I mean, it's part of Disney. Oh, okay. But it's not like in a park. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. you couldn't, I There's guess... no just... metal detectors. There were some metal detectors. We went we through a metal detector. Yeah. That okay, is true. So you're that in is park. true. You're in a park. There yeah. you go. So, uh, so that was pretty fun, and we did all that, and uh, we had a good time there. But New York certainly was, was to me, the more fun trip. I mean, just seeing the... The lights and the skyscrapers and, and Broadway and, you know, wherever else we went. We went to Rockefeller. We went to the uh, the Nike store. We went down Fifth Avenue and Sixth Avenue. And we saw Times Square and we saw the the Richard Rogers Theater. There was so much fun stuff we did in New York. I would have loved to have spent a little bit more time there. But maybe the most memorable part was just all the pizza we ate. I mean, Ryan yes. and I went to three, four different pizza vendors all in the span of one day. You know, never refusing to go to the same place twice. We had a good time with the street food. Yeah, and there was no shortage. It wasn't an issue trying to, to not go to them multiple times. But, yeah, no, no both, both trips were good. Orlando had the nice warm weather and a little bit longer stay, which was nice. And then New York's New York. So there were good things about both of them. Yeah, no doubt about it. Jack, all good? Thumbs up? Yeah, just been living. Hey, you you, you did a great Grinded. job of holding down the fort while we, were, while we were gone covering Lady Vols during the Knoxville Regional. So that was, uh, yeah. that was good. And Lady Vols season comes to an end at the same place that the men's team did. And, we're not going to really be spending too much time talking about that, but hey, it did happen. Both Tennessee men's and women's reached the Sweet 16. Neither could advance to the Elite Eight, though. But man, that kind of leads us into our conversation today. We're going to be talking a lot of Tennessee basketball, looking a little bit back at the season, a little bit back at the tournament, but also looking ahead to what the next couple months uh, have in store. Ryan wrote up a, a, a tremendous article on RockyTopInsider.com just kind of detailing just the some of the questions that are going to need to be answered by this Tennessee basketball team whether it's from a roster standpoint, whether it's from a uh, a program standpoint, there's just a lot of questions that need to be answered. And if you look around the league, there are, there are a lot, and I mean a lot, of rising coaches, rising programs that are in the conference right now. So Tennessee certainly needs to do what they can to stay on top or stay near the top at least as well. We're also going to be talking a little Tennessee football. We are right smack dab in the middle of spring camp here in Knoxville. We're going to be talking about some of our observations, some of our reactions to what we've seen at camp. It is all leading to a scrimmage coming up in Neyland Stadium this weekend, which is going to be closed doors, but coming up on April 15th will be the orange and white game back in Neyland Stadium after last year's construction moved it to a behind-closed-doors location as well. So that is coming up on the show today. But first, while we're talking a little bit of football right now, want to go ahead and give a big shout-out to our good friends, VFL, Kyler Kerbison, a former Tennessee offensive lineman from 2011 to 2015, and Reed Bacon. When you combine those two together, you get pancakes and bacon. An absolutely terrific Tennessee sports podcast. They're mainly talking a lot of Tennessee football, but of course, with it being basketball season, they were talking about the tournament and some of the big wins that Tennessee had, like the Alabama victory or something along those lines. But we are so excited to now have both of those guys with pancakes and bacon on the Rocky Top Insider Podcasting Network. These two guys are phenomenal. Did you get to Did you get to meet them on Saturday? Yeah, I did. I met them at, uh, well, we met Reed last week in studio. Yes. I met Kyler, and Reed was there too at Tennessee's practice on Saturday morning. So talked to those guys a little bit. And yeah, I mean, uh, very entertaining guys, funny guys. Extremely entertaining. It sounds like, and, I, and a lot of people commented this on their video, they sound like just, you know, 
just guys sitting on the porch drinking a beer talking about Tennessee sports. And I think for a lot of people, that's the kind of conversation that they're looking for. Yeah, and you throw it on top of that, which is always great, but also very knowledgeable. And uh, obviously Kyler played football at Tennessee, played football at a very high level, knows uh, a lot more of what he's talking about than any of uh, three, the three of us. And yeah, I mean, it's like we classic media you know we're in there for three sessions of practice one of them being stretching so we're out after 10-15 minutes and reading Kyler you know they're still in there watching the rest of practice so they get a little bit more uh, behind the scenes look at things too so uh, a great insider kind of extra angle uh, to look at the Tennessee football team as we we gear up for the fall and then obviously year-round as uh, they do a lot of great stuff with all sports yeah no doubt about it so let's let's go ahead and plug those things real quick again if you're looking for their podcast you can look for it on Apple Podcast. Google Podcast, Amazon Podcast, and Stitcher, you're going to search RTI colon Pancakes and Bacon. That is the easiest route to go find them. I'm sure you can search Pancakes and Bacon as well, and it'll take you there, but throwing that RTI in the colon in there will absolutely bring it up with no other search options. But maybe you're not as much an audio guy. Maybe you want something to go on the TV in the background. Maybe you want something to go on on, on your computer screen in the background. Head over to the Pancakes and Bacon YouTube channel. That's where they're going to be uploading all of their stuff over there, when it comes to the video version of the show, it's a great listen. It is very, very well put together just in terms of, you know, they've even got on the last one, they were even doing the old school Sports Center ticker, which I love on the side so you know what topics are coming next. You know yeah, what like topics they're going to Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. like PTI. So that was that, brilliant. Yeah. That was awesome. I love that they do that again. You can go and find them on podcast or video. You can follow Kyler Kerbison on Twitter at Kyler Kerbison. You can follow Reed Bacon at RBacon26. But again, we're just so happy to now have them on the Rocky Top Insider Network. It, it is going to be awesome. We're going to be doing collaborations. We're going to be doing uh, we're going to be doing crossovers. There's just a lot of stuff going on right now as we continue to expand here at RTI to bring you, the people, the absolute best Tennessee news, notes, and content we absolutely possibly can. These guys, Kyler and Reed, combined to make pancakes and bacon. Man, that is a big step on our journey towards being the absolute best in the city. So we're excited to have them. We're excited to keep working with them. Make sure you go and give them a listen today. Yeah, and also a follow at Pancakes and Bacon, A-N, no D. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pancakes and Bacon on Twitter, um, Instagram to come. But some highlights, clips will be going to those socials as well throughout the week. It's a weekly podcast, but there's going to be content coming throughout the week as well, one to three clips per week, so be on the lookout for those. Yeah, no doubt about it. These guys are awesome, so definitely something to look forward to. All right, without any further ado, this has been one of our longer intros, so let's go ahead and uh, and, and just get right into things. There's a lot to get to, but Ryan, I want to come to you first, and I want to just kind of talk about the basketball season. Obviously, came to a uh, an unfortunate close for Tennessee in the Sweet 16 to Florida Atlantic. That was just a game where... Tennessee just couldn't put it all together at the same time. Tennessee needed to be relying on their seniors uh, and their veteran players. Their veteran players did not contribute as much as Tennessee would have needed them to. And Tennessee's season kind of flames out as it did at oftentimes in the regular season. Now, that also was on the opposite end of a of an incredible win against Duke, right? A, a, a double-digit win against Duke. So ultimately, that kind of... Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but just that kind of disparity, right? Having the 13-point win against Duke, then coming back to lose against Florida Atlantic in a game that Tennessee did not look good the whole time. In some ways, kind of a microcosm of Tennessee's season. Do you see it the same way? I do, yeah, and it really was. And I think when I look at the Florida Atlantic loss, I, I say in the macro, you know, it's a missed opportunity. It's an opportunity. It's a team Tennessee was plenty capable of beating, led for almost the entirety of the first 27 minutes of the game, and you were favored. It's a team that's a lower seed 
and, and you weren't able to get it done. Now, I don't think I view it – a lot of people, I think, view it just as like a terrible loss if you lose to a Conference USA team. And I think there's two things that you kind of have to keep in perspective with that, and one is that – Florida Atlantic's been really good all season. They, three and three when yeah, Tennessee played them. Yeah, Jack and I had a conversation about this on our baseball podcast at the end about how I don't I don't view them as a Cinderella team. They've been really good all year. They're not a double digit seed, and and two is just look at the tournament and how many times have we sat did we sit here in January and February and talk about college basketball and say there's just not a whole lot of great teams. There's not a big gap, and I think that's proven to be true. You don't even what a four seed's the highest seed yep. uh, in the final four. You didn't have a single one seed make the Elite Eight. You had one two-seed make the Elite Eight. There's just not a big gap between a lot of these teams, so I, I don't think I view it necessarily as a horrible loss, but a missed opportunity, and you're absolutely right, a microcosm of the whole season in which we just didn't see Tennessee string together a, a lot of good stretches of basketball in the final you know, two, three months of the season once SEC play started, and that's kind of what continued. You saw them uh, near the best version of themselves in the Duke game, and then you saw a team that Struggled to hit shots as they really had almost all season, and then a FAU team that exploited uh, one of their few deficiencies really defensively, and then Tennessee didn't take advantage on the glass like they were going to need to to win that game. You know, when I think about the football season last year, I think about the word speed, right? And so that was Tennessee's game, for better or for worse. So typically it was for better, but sometimes they got out in front of themselves a little bit and maybe were going too fast at times or just kind of couldn't get their feet underneath them. When I think about this basketball season, same kind of thing, I think about the word consistency, and that's obviously something we talked about well throughout the season, but again, those last two games kind of just show to me consistency was a problem, and, and consistency ended up being the downfall of this yep. team, kind of like we all we all projected that it could, or at least it had the opportunity to. Jack, th- final thoughts on uh, this Tennessee basketball season, just kind of the way it ended in New York. No, Rick, my thoughts are what you just said, the consistency factor. We never saw Tennessee, once they got in the heart of SEC play, put together three to four games of back-to-back-to-back really good performances, and that's what you got to have to make a run in March. And, yeah, they were awesome against Duke. That was one of the best games they played all season. But then they were inconsistent, and they lost to FAU off a horrible offensive performance. So it's not necessarily surprising, but as Ryan said, a missed opportunity, as you said, inconsistency just plagued them throughout the season, and it was their downfall. No doubt. Let's talk about some of the roster movement that is sure to happen this offseason. Again, Ryan wrote a great article on RockyTopInsider.com titled, Tennessee Basketball Entering Critical Offseason. I would say that's a good way to put it. I would say critical indeed. Critical, yeah. Critical indeed, as Butch Jones would say. It's critical. Santiago Vescovi, Josiah Jordan James, Olivier Kamwa, and Euros Plavsic all have one more year of eligibility. Where are your thoughts on each one of them, just to start out with? Yeah, I would be surprised if Vescovi and Plavsic are back. Those would both, Either of those would really surprise me. I think there's more of a chance that Kamwa or James come back, but again, I, I would probably put it less than 50% on both those guys. And Obviously, there's a lot of moving parts to go in and all that, so we'll see. You know, I don't have a great feel for it, but... Uh, that's kind of, I think, maybe one of the first steps, at least, is to kind of, we might not necessarily know the answer, but it's for the coaching staff to get a general feel for what the answer is going to be or what the probability of those things are going to be. And then uh, Tennessee will obviously get out in the transfer portal and will have a, at least a handful of roster spots to fill. Yeah, not only do you have those four guys that you're talking about kind of in a little bit of limbo right now, but you know Tyreek Key not going to be back next season as well. And you know Julian Phillips, there's a big question mark over his name, whether he returns to Tennessee or not. And that kind of or not category has a few different branches that can come out of it. But ultimately, that's the decision right now, right? Is it to come back to Tennessee or not? So right there, you're looking at six players who potentially could not be back with this Tennessee team next year. And 
man, that opens up a lot of roster spots, doesn't it? It does, and I mean, you look at it, ever since the portal has come, Tennessee's had, and that's, that's not a super long sample size, <laughs> but in those years, Tennessee's had multiple guys enter the portal every single year, and uh, yeah. what, they had three or four guys last year uh, enter the portal. There, to me, there is less potential guys that are going to do that this year I don't think you're going to see you kind of saw in a lot of ways a mass exodus of players who didn't play each of the last two seasons you don't have that this year but at the same time I'd be surprised if you don't have at least one player enter the portal and it's not like there's one player specifically that I think's a lock or anything like that but uh, there's just a couple that could the way things and it's the yeah it's the way the sport is and the way things are moving so there's a lot of moving pieces if uh, let's say just to give you a a general feel for things. If all five seniors leave and nobody else leaves, Tennessee would have two more roster spots to fill. They signed four players uh, in November. Freddie DeLeon early enrolled. Tennessee had an open scholarship for him. So there's three guys coming in. That would be five seniors leaving. To the three guys coming in would leave two spots open. Uh, obviously, some of those guys could come back. Obviously, Julian Phillips. Obviously, some other guys could leave. Uh, but that's kind of the general uh, ground you're looking in, and I would think it'll it'll probably be at least two guys Tennessee, two roster spots Tennessee's going to have open. Dad, guys. So you said it was less than fifty percent chance Kamala and James return in your eyes. So you would be, you would if you were betting on it, you would say all five leave. Yeah, all five or or four, you know, something like that. I don't know exactly how to Maybe math. One of the two. Yeah, one of the two or yeah, I don't know exactly how the the math of all that would work out with the percentage. You played a percentage game and all that, but yeah, I certainly. Think it the most you'll see two come back, and it's more likely you'll see nobody come back than two come back. But again, I don't think any of those decisions have been made or anything like that. It's right. not like I know the answer. That's just me speculating. You know, I like what you wrote here, and and I'm gonna kind of steal your idea with giving you credit for it. But it's it's interesting to look at the the look at the names that you do believe are gonna be back next year, and there's some good pieces. Tobey Walk is a, a a nice young piece, especially when he was able to really come on this year and be a, a great rebounder and, a, and a, just a dog in the paint for Tennessee. You've got a guy like Jemai Meshack who, who really emerged himself as not just the defensive lockdown guy on that side of the court, but he also really started to find his offensive game as well late in the season. So you have those two guys. You have a guy like Jonas Adu who, you know, man, inconsistent at times this year, but at his best is, is a terrific, an absolutely terrific uh, inside defender as well. Then you have Zakai Ziegler. Ryan, like you said, Zakai Ziegler is kind of really your nucleus of that team, right? The the big star, that's where the star power is when you're looking at some of the guys who you believe certainly could be back for Tennessee next year. They're needing, they have, they have a, they have a shopping list, if you will, a wish list of players that they would like to bring onto this team, but ultimately it just feels like a shooter, a playmaker. I yeah, mean, that is going court. to be... Yeah. So, yes, in the backcourt, that is going to be so important, unbelievably important. I don't have, like, a list of names or anything to to spit out right now or anything, but to me, that's the type of player that, with this mass exodus that, you know, you, you could potentially be seeing with all these senior veteran players, Tennessee's going to need some kind of playmaker, to me, with the ball in his hands. Yeah, they need a scorer, for one, and that, you know, it's kind of one of those things I wrote about it. You need a scorer. Really, you need multiple scorers. Yeah. You need a guard who can shoot the ball particularly because if Santiago Vescovi leaves, that's going to be kind of a glaring hole on the roster is shooting. And you probably need to add a big man body. If not, you're putting a lot, a lot of pressure on J.P. Estrella, the freshman up from New England, to come sure. in and be not only be able to play, but play a lot of minutes right away. And I think 
you you just have to add another big man. So Estrella is your fourth big, and that's kind of one of those things where, like we've kind of seen this year with Tobey Awaka, where if you're good enough, if you can earn reps, great, you'll have some playing time, but you can get by without him. So I think you need to add those three things. Now you can double dip. You can get a scorer, scoring yeah. guard who can shoot. You can get a big man who's a scorer. Uh, now those big men who are scorers are a lot harder to find in the portal because there's just so few few of them in college basketball and a lot of times the good ones don't get away from the schools that they originally go to but uh, those are some things that Tennessee needs and uh, yeah playmaking scoring uh, I think I used the word star power and you know that's probably a little wishful thinking but you need somebody that can put the ball in the basket and and, uh, alleviate some of the pressures that Kai Ziegler is going to have and and some of those other guys as well. And I know you're high on Freddie Dillion how big of a part do you think he's going to play in that department? I think he's it's certainly capable. I mean, I think he probably right now, if you're telling me who were the X factors for how good Tennessee's going to be next year, and obviously it's hard to project with some of the transfers, sure. but I'm saying Freddie Dillion is probably one and Tobey Awak is probably two. Yeah. Um, Especially with the jump start that, that Freddie has had as an early enrollee right. this year, figuring out everything as we go. We, we talked to him a little bit just in Nashville at the tournament, and obviously this is a guy who, who wished he'd been playing on the court, but who, who I remember telling me was just, he was saying, hey, this experience is second to none just understanding what all this is like instead of only being told that when you arrived at college being able to actually see what puts into it uh, I, I do think and, and obviously Tennessee hopes that that is a big jump start for a guy like Freddie yeah and it's I guess the thing I'd say about him and and all that's true but it's it's up to another gear you know next, once they come back in, yeah. in June because you know we watched him practice you know once or twice a week throughout the season since he's been there and he's on the scout team and uh, you see those flashes of scoring uh, on the scout team, but you also see some kind of reckless plays, and you know they're redshirting this year, so Rick Barnes isn't isn't on him hard. It's going to change. <laughs> it's going to be a 180. Yeah, it's almost a good thing that he's been able to watch him get after the other guys because yes. he's going to be a prime focus of that when they get back. I can see it almost being a, a Kennedy Chandler type of thing where you just knew that Barnes was going to be so hard on him because he was probably going to be there for one year, but they needed him to. They needed him to take those steps quickly. Yeah, and I don't even necessarily think that it's Freddie is like a, a one and done lock, but he is going to be a guy that they need. And he yeah. defense is a weakness. <laughs> That's not going to be a weakness if you're going to be a, a starter, major <laughs> player for Rick Barnes. And then you do like what comes, comes with all that offensive talent is a little bit of uh, ability to play out of control and it has to do some wild things. And again, that's the type of stuff that'll make Rick Barnes rip his hair out. So, yeah. uh, plenty of. Just I, he'll be the most talented offensive player on the team, in my opinion. Now maybe they'll go out and add somebody that makes me change my my tune on that. But I think he'll be the most talented offensive player. It's how quickly can he reach that and just play with confidence. And Rick Barnes have that confidence in him that he doesn't have to look over his shoulder, you know, after every mistake that type of thing. You know, when you look at the SEC as a whole, man, you see some good competition out there. And you and you look at this season in particular, and you can see how so many things were set in place. I know that there weren't any, there aren't any SEC teams in the Final Four. I believe what was there just one or one or so in the Elite Eight? Alabama? No, all, all three lost in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. Bama, Arkansas, and Tennessee. There you go. Okay, so even even a step back from what I was thinking. So you had your Tennessee teams, lo- or excuse me, your SEC teams losing the Sweet Sixteen. But man, you look at this conference from a macro level. Jerry Stackhouse wins SEC Coach of the Year as, the, as Vanderbilt made a nice little late-season push. Eric Musselman and Arkansas have been to three straight Sweet 16s. We all know what Bruce Pearl can do with his enthusiasm on the recruiting trail. Nate Oates obviously taking Alabama to one of the best teams in the country this year. Kentucky, being Kentucky with John Calipari, it, 
They certainly had Tennessee's number this year. Buzz Williams, who's putting together a, a very nice program over at Missouri. A guy like Dennis Gates, who is a a very solid rising coach at, at Missouri. And there's so many more to be named, but this is a this is a very talented league right now. And so I think if you're Tennessee, again, you you still are in a you're still in a good position. But man, you have to continue to work even that much harder just because of the quickly rising talent across the league. Tennessee can't afford to to you know have any missteps along the way. And of course, there 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 might be one or two. But all that to be said is that you have a bunch of hyenas who are who are chomping at the bit trying to take Tennessee's spot as one of the top teams in the conference of the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, and even the Mississippi schools, Ole Miss yeah. adding Chris Beard. Um, say what you will about him, but he's a pretty good coach. And then Chris Jans had a. Pretty good year at Mississippi State, year one, entering year two. Yeah, I mean, that, that's was the point I was going to have. You have those two guys and even Todd Golden at Florida, who I think is a good coach and did really well at San Francisco. And then obviously, Matt Mac- McMahon at LSU, they flamed out in incredible fashion this yeah. year. We're really bad in this first season, but a guy that had a ton of success at Murray State. So uh, not a lot of really anywhere you could point and be like, all right, that's just like a dormant program. Really, South Carolina off the top of my head, is the yeah. only one I think of you point to. That's just a dormant program right now. It's hard to see a path to success. So a lot of really good coaches, a lot of programs, a lot of really good programs. And, you know, Rick Barnes talked about it before, but this is not the SEC that he came into in, in 2015 when it was kind of Kentucky and the league The league was searching for anybody else that could be a consistent program. You have four or five consistent programs, I guess you'd say, I guess it would be five, Arkansas to two Alabama schools, Tennessee and Kentucky. Those have been consistent programs now for multiple years. Sure. And then you have a lot of other ones uh, that are knocking on the door of doing that, Missouri, Texas A&M. And then you kind of have that next gear that we just talked about that have some talented coaches and uh, potential to be real solid programs. And they're trying to scrap and find wins in what's becoming a, a conference that's harder and harder to find those wins. Speaking of McMahon, that's also spelled very similar, similarly to <laughs> McMahon, which was one of my which was one of my lasting notes of being at Madison Square Garden is seeing the the plaque, the wall, the I guess the Walk of Fame plaque oh. for one Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Dude. I took a picture with it and everything. It was awesome. That that just sparked my. I memory thought you were about to say you saw him. I thought that's where you're going. Been way cooler. I was about to be geeked, but yeah. Oh my gosh, that would have been. <laughs> you still the plaque is awesome. Yeah, I but... know that that he's going through a lot of things right now, yeah. and none of the things that he's going through are good. <laughs> Absolutely none of them. He did some bad things, <laughs> but <laughs> oh no, don't do it. Technical foul. Don't give right. me that. But I would have loved to have seen Vince McMahon. Oh, I mean, on, he's a, a legend of the sports yeah. world. The 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 the. The owner of the sport of wrestling. I mean, again, we have to acknowledge the bad things that he did. Rick's very supportive of Chris Beard. No, (laughs) that's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. Sounds an awful lot like what we're saying. All right, we should probably just get out of here at this point, right? I feel like I'm backed into a corner. Seeing no, I agree. Seeing Vince McMahon would be in just other level. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Just seeing him, just being in the same building as him. Come on, Ryan, you just don't get it. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't get it. I don't care about wrestling, so I, I most certainly do not get it. But I will use my opportunity to try to cancel Rick for supporting a problematic person like Vince McMahon. Or Chris Beard, apparently. Or Chris. Uh, yeah. It seems like, I mean, oh, you my goodness. <laughs> it, all, it all just kind of folds into there. What do you say we go ahead and get out of here on that note? Because yeah. that was such a great note to get out of here on. Let's talk some spring football right about now. 
We'll be right back. And now, back to the show. Tennessee football wraps up their fifth practice of spring camp in Knoxville on Tuesday morning. They will be back out on the field on Thursday morning. Again, we talked about this early in the show, but that is leading into a scrimmage coming up this weekend. That will be in Neyland Stadium. That is certainly behind closed doors, not just to the public, but to the media as well. So going to be interesting to see what kind of notes come out of there in the press conferences uh, from Tennessee football next week. But again, that is all leading towards the orange and white game coming up on April 15th. That'll be at 2.30 p.m. Eastern time at Neyland Stadium. Ryan, you were at practice yesterday. You wrote a uh, wrote a nice little post about our practice observations from the uh, from the practice right there in Knoxville. Give me a, give me a player or two that that really stood out to you while you were watching yesterday. Yeah, just always a reminder that we're watching for fifteen minutes and we're doing <laughs> yes. some very basic drills, so it's nothing uh, crazy that, that we got to see. But I guess a couple guys. <coughs> Excuse me. One kind of, positions. Yeah, I, I thought Caleb Herring was a guy, and this was just the first time I was out there during uh, spring, so I, you know, I just hadn't had a chance to look at the new guys a ton. But I thought he was a really good looking athlete, and, and certainly I think needs to add some weight, especially in his lower body. But like the frame that he has, it's just like man, you can see how this guy has yeah. just a sky high ceiling as an edge rusher. So uh, he was one of the newcomers to me that really stood out. Um, I would say Jalen Wright to me looks like he's added a, a few more pounds and just looks like a complete looking running back. And you know, I, I wrote down that he, I wrote down the same thought even before you had wrote that yesterday, just from my own personal observations throughout the week. To me, I, I, I legitimately wrote this down. I don't know if there was any weight to it, but it just made sense in my head at the time. He looks like an Alabama running back, and when I say that, it's just because I mean he looks polished. He looks well built. He looks polished. He looks experienced. He looks ready to go. He looks like the type of running back that would perfectly fit in an Alabama system where running backs often thrive so well. I, I, I have been impressed with what I've seen from him. Just, again, like you're saying, very early, very limited, but what we've seen from him in the last week or two. And he's a little bit of a middle ground between the other two running backs who are going to play a lot, where Jamari Small is physical, short yardage, goal line, and, and then Dylan Sampson's got that speed and, and just ability to – take a play 75 yards at yeah. any moment, and he's kind of in the middle. He has speed, but he has physicality, and he can run between the tackles. Not to say Dylan Sampson can't, but a little more effectively. And I was really high on him last year. I think about those two runs he had against Kentucky that I think kind of showed that physicality um, where he broke a tackle in the secondary and picked up you know 10 yards more on one of them, and I think probably 25, 30 yards more on another. So uh, – he is a guy, I think, again, if he can hold on to the ball, if that cannot be a concern, is probably going to be Tennessee's leading rusher next season and uh, a guy I'm really high on. And I thought Joe Milton, you know, obviously there's not a ton we need to talk about there, but I thought he looked really polished and had a really good day throwing the ball on uh, Tuesday morning. Yeah, I'm probably the most intrigued by Tennessee's running backs this offseason, just going into this season as a whole, this three-headed you know, group, how they're going to manage those. And I, I really think Jalen Wright's going to be the guy. I think he's going to be the first and second down running back. I think Dylan Sampson's going to spell him and be that change of pace guy. And then Jabari Small will be basically the Zeke Elliott. Goal line, third and short. The vulture. Best pass blocker. The vulture. The best the pass blocker vulture. on the team. So, yeah. like, you could see how many carries. I don't know how many carries he had last year. But, you know, his touchdown rate will probably be pretty, pretty high. Yeah, I would I would assume. Who's? Jabari Smith. Oh, yeah. Like, touchdowns <laughs> totally to carries. Agree. Totally Because he probably agree. had, what, did he have double-digit touchdowns last he year? He did, yeah. I don't, I'm pulling up stats now, but I do know he had double-digit touchdowns. Yeah, he had 10 to 12, I think. And so, that that's just how I see these, these running backs working out, you know. Yeah, he had, Jabari had 13 touchdowns on 157 carries. 
734 yards. Jalen Wright, 875 yards on 146 carries, so 11 less carries and 10 touchdowns. Yeah, I think I think Small's carries could be around that 110 to 115. I think you'll see those dip rights increase, Samson's increase. To me, I think, because I, yeah. I agree with all, everything you said, the only thing that I think is going to be interesting, and it kind of throws a wrinkle in it, is you talked about, like, Jabari Small third down back. And I think there's obviously certain situations where you sub like that. But Tennessee doesn't really sub like that. You know what I mean? They're going to go quick on third and short and try to catch the yeah. defense off guard. So I think it's just going to be – it's not, I don't think, quite as cut and dry, like, roles-wise as it would be in most offenses because of the tempo Tennessee plays with and how little they sub offensively. So to me, that's going to be kind of the balancing act where I think it's going to get interesting Yeah. Uh, because I don't think it's going to be as simple as – Small just doesn't get first and second down carries, which I know you weren't saying that yeah. that was going to be the case either. But plus, Tennessee has the luxury of of not having just a a pencil of a quarterback in there, right? They have they have Joe Milton. If they need to quickly get up to the line and run a third and in inches, where you just have a quarterback sneak up the middle, man, that's a pretty good option to do so. And that not every quarterback is going to have you know a, a Optimus Prime on the field like that. Yeah, certainly. And all this, you know, we talked about trying to fig- figure out roles for three running backs. Running backs are always injured and always banged yep. up. So, and yeah. Especially Jabari Small. Especially Jabari Small, yeah, yeah with that shoulder that just kind of always uh, seems to be plaguing him and him be playing through an injury there. So uh, all that stuff will figure itself out. Tennessee doesn't even really have a lot of depth in the fact that after those three guys, you have, kind of have no idea who your next options yeah. are. You got the freshman. I mean, it'd be Cam Selden, but he's got to learn the offense. Yeah, exactly. Badly. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, you have a really quality top three. And so in that sense, you have good depth, but you don't really go a whole lot deeper with that with anything you're, you're confident in. Hey, to bounce off of that point that Jack made just real quick, that's something that Josh Heupel talked about with wide receiver Dante Thornton kind of at the beginning of spring camp. is, And and, and this makes sense for a lot of the, either the newcomers or the freshmen, the guys who are just arriving to the Tennessee program for the first time. A lot of these guys, of course, have raw talent and raw skill and raw potential. They have the physical tools out there on the football field. I mean, w- we see it whenever we go to practice, right? We see that Dante Thornton has the look of mm-hmm. a great wide receiver and a guy who can succeed in the – uh, collegiate level, but as Josh Heupel said, hey man, this is not just an offense that you can walk right into. And he didn't exactly say that. I'm kind of paraphrasing for him, but he said, hey, there's a lot to learn from the from the uh, from the system, from the scheme, just from being a wide receiver on the Tennessee offense. Yes, you're probably schemed in good positions. And look at Jalen Hyatt last year. How often that he was schemed and able to use his own tools in combination to get wide open across the field, but there is that mental aspect. Now, for some of the guys, it's just not there yet. Ultimately, that's just a that's just a timing thing. That's just because they haven't been around the team in these practices enough. Heck, that right there is what spring football is for, but uh, I, I totally agree at that point right there. And going to be interesting to see how some of these guys pick up the offense relatively quickly. Hey, like a Brew McCoy did last year, right? It, it took him a minute to, to get that throughout the offseason, but once he did, he certainly became a valuable player for Tennessee Aside from that, though, one of the things that I've noticed, and I and I got to take this a little bit from Kyler Kurbison on the Pancakes and Bacon podcast, because that's where I heard it first, but I, I, I had noticed it myself. But again, just listen to Kyler be able to break it down. The offensive line depth that Tennessee has is terrific, right? We talk about the running backs being a group that is always going to be injured. Offensive line in a similar kind of way seems to seems to be a position group where you're always kind of rotating somebody in and 
Tennessee loses big pieces this year. They lose your a uh, first a future first round draft pick and Darnell Wright on the right side. They lose Jerome Carvin, who who was man Mister Flexibility, Mister Versatility when he was right there on the offensive line. If they needed him to bump over and play center, he could do so in the snap of a finger. So Tennessee needs to replace those guys, and they're very important guys to replace. But you have a lot of depth right there. You have experienced guys like a John Campbell and an Andre Carrick who came to Tennessee from the transfer portal this year, guys who may not be that experienced with the Tennessee system, but has that collegiate football experience under their belt. Then you have guys who have just been here at Tennessee for a long time. They know what Glenn Ellerby wants to do. They know what Josh Hype wants to do. They know what this offense is going to do. And when I talk about those guys, I'm talking about your J.J. Crawford. I'm talking about your Ollie Lane, guys like Dane Davis. I don't know who's going to be in Tennessee's starting line when the when the ball snaps for the first time against, what is it, Virginia and Nashville in the season opener. But what I do know is that they do have a lot of pieces to work with in route to getting there. I'll say the same thing about the cornerbacks and the defensive backs here in a minute, but just kind of pausing right there on the offensive line, you can certainly tell that there are a lot of big boys back there. Tennessee seems like is going to be able to find their combination of five, but it, it just seems to be great for the team that they do have all that flexibility early on here in spring camp. No, yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, just yesterday, Glenn Ellerby talked to the media, and he said that Andre and John have been picking up the offense. You can tell their experience. And Andre, who worked a lot at tackle at Texas, has been working inside for Tennessee, and he's even a candidate to, like, be the backup center, say, if he doesn't win the guard job. So they're using a – you know, it feels like most of the competition is definitely in the interior because I feel like you're going to have Mincy and J.J. Crawford as your outside guys. So all the competition is really inside there, and those transfers are – going to be in that competition as well as Addison Nichols as well as a lot of guys Ali Lane yeah. Lampley all these experienced guys with Tennessee so that's probably you know I, I said the running backs as far as intriguing to see how they develop as far as competition wise goes it's definitely the offensive line as far as the most interesting yeah I agree yeah to me the, the tackle position is if not the biggest question mark on the entire team at least on the offense in my opinion because um, I, I you have options there, but I don't think you have anybody that you just feel like great about. No yeah. super high level. And I think Darnell Wright was able to hide a lot of things. I think he on was the able left to side last a year lot. Because yeah. he was just so good on the right side that you could shift protection and do a lot of things to help out, whether it was Crawford or uh, Gerald Mincy, you know, whoever was on that side. And you just never had to worry about the right side. Now, to me, both those things are question marks. And I think Joe Milton's pocket presence is a question mark of his you know it, to me it was not good in the orange bowl it w- is not nearly uh, as good as Hinton hookers is and now that you have some question marks at both tackle spots i think that's kind of an area you have to worry about a little bit if you're tennessee yeah man that 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 combination of having darnell Wright being able to protect just that whole right side for Hinton hooker i think especially in hindsight but as the years go by we can see just how important he was for that team switching gears to the other side of the field a little bit again one one position group that you look at in terms of depth and you see a whole lot of bodies out there. It's just the defensive backs. And, man, that's a spot that Tennessee needs to have their defensive backs. As we saw at practice yesterday, there was a lot of walkthroughs going on and kind of getting guys understanding the scheme, understanding the system, understanding what was going on out there on the field, which, hey, makes sense because when you look at Tennessee's defensive backs, yes, there's a lot of depth out there on the field, but it is a lot of young depth, right? Uh, uh, look at some of the guys who are just now entering the Tennessee program. Guys like a, a Jordan Matthews, Ricky Gibson, Christian Conyer, um, Gabe Judy Lolly, who, who is a transfer portal player from BYU and Vanderbilt. But like we've said, 
spending his first spring camp with Tennessee football right now. So there are a lot of guys that Tennessee is really just working to have them learn and understand the scheme, which, hey, we know how important it is for Tennessee's defensive backs to be on. You can have your cornerbacks in a position where they can be locked down for four to five seconds at the start of the play, which I know is a lot to ask for, but if they can really be that guy for those first few seconds, we also know that Tennessee is a defense that wants to be aggressive right when the ball is snapped. They want to get after the quarterback. I think being able to turn up the pressure a little bit, I'm thinking of last year with a guy like Byron Young, but you can look at this year with guys like Josh Josephs or whoever it's going to be, James man, Pierce. James Pierce, absolutely, attacking the quarterback in those four to five seconds, but you need to be able to have your defensive backs able to lock down their guy while that's happening. Man, that just makes the offense, the opposing offense, in a world of trouble if you're able to do that. So that, to me, is something I've certainly been watching. Again, even some of the sophomore talent, like a guy like Christian Harrison, who we really didn't see that often, but could be potentially, you know— could be potentially working towards a position of play this year. I don't know how all these things are going to shake out, but at the end of the day, it's good to see Tennessee be able to have so much flexibility and versatility. Whether they use it or not, well, we'll see. That's obviously a question for way later down the down in the road. But as far as spring camp goes right now, to me, that is an early sign of success and something good to see. No, yeah, for sure. And you talked about rotation, Brian, with the running backs. I mean, we did see rotation with the yeah. GBs last year, and a lot of that was because of injury. I mean, so many guys were banged up all the time. So, I mean, Josh Heupel's open, Tim Bakes is open, Willie Martinez hopes that's not going to happen this season, but I think regardless, we'll see a lot of rotation just because there's so many guys back there. Yeah, and I think it goes back to, we talked about this before last season even started, um, with that group is that, and it really, it turned out, went to complete fruition, I think we talked about it on the podcast, how the prediction was accurate, it was like, they have a lot of guys, they have a lot of guys that are capable of playing. But how good are those guys? Yeah. And it turned out, you know, not that they were awful, but it was not a very good room. And there wasn't a whole lot of difference between a lot of guys. And that's why, not certainly Tennessee didn't want those injuries, but those injuries didn't end up killing them because uh, the drop-off from uh, a Warren Burrell to a Deshaun Rucker wasn't massive. Does anybody step up this year? Do you get a guy? Yeah. Two guys obviously would be perfect, but even one guy I think changes Tennessee's defense where it's like you've elevated the talent in that room. Someone takes a step forward. Someone is a really good corner one. And it's like, if he gets injured, it's like, man, this is a really tough blow for Tennessee. And then obviously Tennessee would have the depth to uh, not be just destroyed by that. But that's what I'm looking for. I think we know that there's depth in that room. Can someone take a step? Can one of the freshmen, one of the transfers be at a different level that we kind of really elevate Tennessee's defensive back room? Yeah, imagine having Elante Taylor with this pass rush. Yeah, exactly. That's, yes, or that, that last year's pass rush of, even. You know. Yes, that's, the, that's what they want. By the way... We'll talk about Nico next week. We'll get into a little bit more full detail. We'll talk about him. We'll talk about Joe Milton. We'll talk about the quarterbacks. I, there's just a lot to get to today, and frankly, there's already been a lot of conversation about the quarterbacks. That, that's what we did on the podcast last week, if I remember correctly. We talked about Nico. We talked about Joe. We talked about those guys. So kind of taking a little bit of a break to talk about the other guys on Tennessee's team. And then again, next week we'll come back. We'll have a lot more information. Just, again, being able to see these quarterbacks in action a little bit more until we record next week. That'll be important. Otherwise, if you would like to go and find the written version of basically everything we just talked about today, you can head over to RockyTopInsider.com. Check out Ryan's practice notes from Tuesday morning right here in Knoxville. Also, while you're doing that, might as well pop over to the Rocky Top Insider YouTube channel and go check out Rocky Top Insider's practice highlights. 
It is about a four-plus-minute-long video. It is showing the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the defensive line, the linebackers, basically all the positions on Tennessee's team. We have a little bit of video on each one of those, so make sure you're going and checking that out right there. While you're at it, just go ahead and follow Rocky Top Insider on all social media platforms so you can stay up to date with what's going on. That makes sense. That seems like a no-brainer. We are at Rocky Top Insider on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. And I can tell you right now that even just the last 24 hours, we've had multiple posts on each, of course, Twitter and Facebook, but even Instagram, TikTok. Those are places where we're absolutely trying to get you the best Tennessee news, notes, and coverage that we possibly can. So make sure you're following along with those sites and make sure you're following Ryan Shumpert on Twitter. That is at rshump00. Make sure you're following Jack Foster on Twitter. That is at Jack Foster Media. And myself at Rick underscore Butler. We're also doing our best to bring you the RTI news that we're putting out each and every day. But guys, what do you say? I think that's going to about wrap it up for us. Yeah, that's all, I, that's all I got. Yeah, last note, just Jordan Horston declared for the WNBA draft. So that's right. That's right. Rather she than did do that yesterday. Take, you know, using her fifth year of eligibility. So that what, is all. Rikia Jackson is back for the Yeah, Lady she's Balls, back. Right? Marquis back. So they got a lot of talent returning, but Horston is gone. That's certainly a big one. Certainly a big one. We will, uh, we will monitor that as we go. Tennessee basketball season's wrapped up as of this weekend, but football is on the horizon, and baseball is still going right now. I know both of you guys were up at Lindsey Nelson Stadium yesterday watching the game. Tennessee's got a big one coming up this week, right? LSU, yeah. I mean, starting on Thursday, correct? Yeah, Thursday through Saturday series, really each of the next two weeks. Same thing with Florida when they come to Knoxville here in two weeks. Is that so, going to be Thursday, Saturday? Yeah, so next two are Thursday through Saturday. and Fascinating. Two massive series. To me, the two be- those are the two best teams in the SEC right now, LSU and Florida. So a challenging two weeks. This LSU series is one I think everybody in the college baseball world has circled since the offseason and uh, – Obviously, LSU, I think, has played at a higher level to this point in season than Tennessee, but Tennessee coming off a strong weekend. They'll bring a five-game winning streak into Baton Rouge and, and should be a lot of fun. Super quick. If you're Tennessee baseball, are you satisfied with 3-3? Three and three? No. I mean, if you're on the team, you probably you shouldn't I- be. As, a, as someone who covers the team and tries to look at things objectively, you definitely should be happy yeah. with 3-3. Three and three. That's kind of what I figured as well. I don't know. Just with the If you can sneak one against LSU and then potentially win the series against Florida, I think that leads you to a decent little 3-3 three and three spot. Well, I, I think just going into SC play with these four weekends coming up, I think you, you would have wanted to go better than three and three. Just sure. in my opinion, in those first two sure. weekends. Well, yeah, and, I think that's more about the first two weekends. Yeah, than that, the next that two was weekends, a so. setback for them. The Missouri, especially weekend, was a big setback. Yeah, definitely. What's your point? Well, you you were saying if you're. Or maybe I'm misinterpreting what you're saying is that if you these first four weekends, if you were six and six, Tennessee would have wanted to be better than that. No, no, no. I'm saying when you look at these next four weekends coming up, after the first two weeks, you would have wanted to have a better SEC record because of the gauntlet. Yes. So you could have had more room for error. Yes. Now you're three and three. Yes. It means you lost the series in the first two. It it wasn't a must win. It's so early. and we say this for the baseball podcast, but, you know. Yeah. No, no, I get what you're saying. That is completely accurate. Yeah. Man, it's a fun conversation all around. Just like the last 50 minutes have been here on the RTI Press Pass, make sure you are also checking out the Pancakes and Bacon podcast on the Rocky Top Insider Network. 
We are so proud and so thrilled to have them joining us. We cannot wait for a little crossover action as well like we did last week on the show. But otherwise, hey, make sure you are subscribed to the RTI Press Pass. Make sure you are leaving us a great five-star recruit ranking review. That is what we love to see. We love comments. We love feedback. We want to make this show as good as possible as we can for you, the people out there who are listening each and every week. And by the way, we are so thankful for each person who does listen each and every week. But for that, we're going to head and go ahead and wrap it up. We're going to get out of here. For Jack Foster, for Ryan Shumpert, I'm Rick Butler. You've been listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass. We'll see you back for the next one.